Now they've got another shorthanded rush. Stone is in, stops, he scores! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Over to the right side, sixth attacker is on. Carlson to the left, Petrangelo shoots wide, rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson ties the game. 4-4 with a minute 35 to play. Power play goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. All right, let's get out of hardcore hockey coming your way over the course of the next hour, live from Section 104 at T-Mobile Arena inside the fortress where the Golden Knights launch a seven-game homestand, the longest stretch at home all season, the second longest in franchise history, second only to the run that occurred a year ago. We're going to see a lot of this team over the next three weeks. There's games that are spaced out. You've got a good four days between games from Sunday to Wednesday without any game action, so you can recoup, you can get better, you can have some good practices in there, and it really does take place at the perfect time because the Golden Knights have won three in a row at home coming into this contest against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And tonight we are expecting the return of Jack Eichel and Paul Cotter. Ryan Wallace, what are you expecting from Jack Eichel? I mean, I'm expecting Jack Eichel to look like Jack Eichel. We, we know what this, this guy is capable of. We've seen him completely take over games. And I mean, I don't expect that he's going to be 100% full-flight Jack Eichel, but he puts a lot of pressure on himself. You're looking at a guy that wants to be in the lineup, and when he's in the lineup, he wants to be a difference maker. So I would expect that what we get out of Jack Eichel is, is similar to what we saw at the beginning of the year and through stretches where he was just dominant and brilliant, holding on to pucks, making plays happen, using his legs on both sides of the puck, offensively and defensively. And you know what? If he if he had limitations, he wouldn't be in the lineup. And I think with, with Jack, what you're going to get tonight is more of what you saw earlier on in the year. I'm going to a certain place, but I have to take a roundabout route. All right. Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, and Riley Smith. How would you describe their seasons? Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, and Riley Smith. Yes. I, I would describe their seasons as... Great. I, I don't know other I like another word to put on it, right? Like Mark Stone of late has been a dominant hockey player. A dominant hockey player. He's been creating so much offense with Chandler Stevenson. You know, he has been consistent this this really this whole season, but I, I would argue Chandler Stevenson has, has, has done a lot of heavy lifting over the month of December for this Golden Knights team, especially down the middle alongside Mark uh, Mark Stone. And Riley Smith is just scoring in every facet of the game. You've got five-on-five goals, shorthanded goals, power play goals. He has been productive in, in putting the puck in the, ba- in the back of the net in every facet of the game you ask him to play. I totally agree with you. All three players on a pace to post career highs mm-hmm. in either goals, assists, or points. One of those three, or in uh, some cases, multiples. Here's why I asked you that, because I knew that you were going to talk about how great they were. Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel missed 13 of the last 14 games. Yep. He comes back. Only Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone are ahead of him in the team point production race, right. and he's one point ahead of Riley Smith. That's how great of a season Jack Eichel was having before he suffered the lower body injury. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're talking about a 
a better than a point of game player and and I would make the argument that you know Jack Eichel was just kind of hitting his stride when he when he did suffer that injury when he did suffer that setback we we had seen games where Jack was just dominant and and you, you go back to the the game in Buffalo where he's got the hat trick and the four point third period there I I'm with you like as good as those players have been Jack Eichel hitting his stride at his peak is going to be just that much more dangerous than those three players are. Eichel had a nine-point lead for the team scoring title mm-hmm. when he went out. Mm-hmm. He's now 10 back of Chandler Stevenson, yeah. which is an incredible month of December for Chandler Stevenson. Mark Stone keeping up. So a couple of things, uh, great things have, have happened is you've been able to win some hockey games without a couple of your best players. Uh, defensively, you're missing a bunch, but up front, you're missing your most uh, electric player most skilled player in Jack Eichel. You were able to keep on winning. Uh, Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone continued to produce or accelerated their production, which is also unexpected given the value of Jack Eichel. And number three, Michael Amadio has been unleashed on the National Hockey League. And it took a while took some different situations to get there. I'm not sure anybody would have advocated to have this much uh, uh, random injuries up front for it to, to have to force Amadio up there, but it occurred. So a lot of good has happened. Now we get back to normal with Jack Eichel, who will return to center a much different line than he left with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for... Bruce Cassidy, I think what you're getting is a little bit of experimentation brought on by the simple fact that Michael Amadio's on a seven-game heater. Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson alongside Amadio has gotten the job done, and you don't want to pull that apart until it's not proving to work. So it gives you options. It gives you certain aspects that you can play around with if you're Bruce Cassidy, and one of those looks tonight is going to be Riley Smith with Jack Eichel and Nick Waugh. It's an intriguing line. It's an interesting line. And it's also uh, kind of a, a bit of a reward, I would argue, for, for Nick Waugh to get an opportunity up the lineup to play with really good, talented, offensively-minded hockey players that that maybe if there's something there, you're able to find a pair or a duo that works really well might be something that's in the back of, of Bruce Cassidy's mind as you continue to move along in the season. Riley Smith and Nick Waugh on the wings, and you've got Jack Eichel in the middle. Mm-hmm. Waugh moves up a couple of spots in the lineup but changes position. Here is Bruce Cassidy on what he expects from Nick Waugh. Well, I'm just looking for someone to get to the net. Jack played earlier with Smitty and Phil, and that was a bit of the issue. They were great off the rush, but there wasn't really a true net presence. Uh, I think all of them like to have the puck, so yeah, just just a better mesh of maybe how you structure a line. So for Nick, and he likes going to the net, that's his game. So get the puck off the wall, get it to Jack or Smitty, you know, or the D coming late, and then you know he won't handle it as much in the neutral zone as maybe he would with Will and, and Coley. So now it's more like let's I'll be lined to the net as we get through the neutral zone over the blue line. Uh, so maybe some second chances in front is you know without changing his game completely. Uh, if there's a play to be make make it, but. You know, understand that you're probably the, the best guy to have at the front of the net. So there's that combination, and then you have William Carlson uh, skating with Paul Cotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting combination. And Phil Kessel 
So you've got the real responsible 200-foot game of William Carlson. And then Phil Kessel, who is an offensive player. And Paul Cotter, who has to contribute at both ends of the ice and has to play physical. His challenge will be getting back up to speed coming yeah. off the injury at the National Hockey League level for the first time. Yeah, and that's going to be a big, you know, kind of unknown here with Paul Cotter is, is we, we've seen the impact that he can have when he is playing the game to the highest of his caliber. The question at this level is how consistently can you do that night in and night out? How consistently can you do that from shift to shift and period to period? And now coming off of an injury, how long does it take you to kind of get your game right back to that level? We know Paul Cotter. We've talked to Paul Cotter. I think he's open and, and, and accepting and wanting this challenge. But the fact of the matter is he's going to have to get his game back to that level as quickly as possible. So here's a great Paul Cotter for you. Mm-hmm. And you, you got to spend a little bit of time with him uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He is an open book. <laughs> yes. So it it is awesome how much time and how much information and behind the scenes uh, he's willing to give you. Peel back the onion. Paul Cotter loves Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. That is his star, his idol. When he was growing up, Paul Cotter had the Sidney Crosby poster on his bedroom wall at home. Mm-hmm. When Paul Cotter went home for Christmas recently, that poster was still on the wall. <laughs> Guess where that poster is now? Not on the wall. No. It was time. He's a National Hockey League player right now. He played against Sidney Crosby a couple of weeks before going home and getting back uh, to his childhood room. Looks up in the wall and says, I I played against that guy. Mm -hmm. I love that guy, but I'm now one of his NHL uh, PA brothers. Yeah, he's a peer. So so I, I, I can take that poster down. Here's... Here's the but when it comes to Paul Cotter and his admiration for Sidney Crosby. The poster came down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the poster is. I don't I don't think it's thrown out. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you uh, one more detail on the poster after I finish this. Okay. The, the poster's off the wall, but he still loves Sidney Crosby. Yeah. To the point where Paul Cotter told me that he has watched and knows Every face-off move that Sidney Crosby can do. like He's watched every face-off he can take and has zeroed in on that. Mm-hmm. If it's a neutral zone face-off, he knows what Sid's going to do. If it's a center ice face-off, he knows where Crosby's going to go in what situation. Offensive, defensive zone, mm-hmm. he's got it all mapped out. Told me, and Shane Natty, we were chatting with him the other day. He said, this is Paul. I will pay money to my centerman to get kicked out of the draw if we're taking a face-off <laughs> against Sidney Crosby. That is one of the most honest and homegrown and truthful uh, hockey, like pure hockey comments yeah. that you are going to get from an athlete. He loves Sidney Crosby. He knows Sidney Crosby. He is in the National Hockey League with and against Sidney Crosby. Right. But he still has such admiration that he wants to take a face-off uh, against him. <laughs> I don't know whether it would be funny if, if he won it. It'd be great. Yeah. But if he lost it, knowing all this, sure. like that would be vintage Sid. Right. Really. Yeah. Uh, but Here's one for you. He took down the poster, but he still wants that crack and said he would pay. Yeah. 
he would give a cash payment to his centerman. Okay. So tonight that's William Carlson. Yeah. And can you imagine if Phil stepped in to take the draw? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Cotter, <laughs> Cotter would be so fast yeah. into that dot. There's no chance. I wonder if he. I wonder if he'd talk to him. To, to Phil? No, to Sid. Oh, like before yeah. the draw. Yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, like if I, if I were Paul hey, Cotter, like what, I, I would just say, what, what are you, what are you going with on this one? How, how are you gonna? What's the move here, Sid? And Sid would, Sid will know everything about who he's gonna possibly <laughs> fa- face in the face-off. Yeah, I can imagine. So, like, it, he'll know that it's Cotter's first. Full year in the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. uh, he'll probably know he's coming off a, an upper body injury, but that's that's the story. So here's the here's the the final installment on the Paul Cotter, Sidney Crosby connection. Okay, the poster is on the wall. Mm-hmm. All of Cotter's friends knew that he had this fascination with Sidney Crosby. Yeah, so he, they would bug him a little bit. Sidney <laughs> ah, Crosby, you whatever, Sid. They use all the the nicknames and, and and toy with them, and then it would come back to Paul. Well, Paul knows Sid. Well, Paul doesn't know Sid, but Paul would pretend he knows Sid. Sure. So one day, you know what happened that with that poster? It was autographed by Sid. Oh yeah, yeah. Sidney Crosby's autograph was on that poster. No. Or what looked like Sidney Crosby's <laughs> autograph no ended up on that poster. <laughs> Connor knows Sid so well, he was able to replicate. I won't use the F word. Yeah. Yeah. The J word. He was able to replicate. Replicate, yeah. The, <laughs> the signature of Sidney Crosby. So there. That's fantastic. Carlson gets tossed out of a offensive zone faceoff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sid's taking it. Connor goes in. You know what Cotter says to him? I know how you sign autographs. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I had your oh, poster on the wall. That's that's is that not like that, I, and that that's all from a little yeah. little short conversation that Nadia and I had with yeah. with with Cotter the other day, uh, just uh, just hanging out and and talking about the potential. Because uh, welcome to the NHL moments. We mm-hmm. Caden Korzak the mm-hmm. other day. Uh, we we talked about uh, those types of moments. But playing against Sid and being in warm-up and going back and forth along the line and looking over and seeing Sid and then being on the ice uh, with Sid, that's a huge moment for, for a person uh, of, of Paul Cotter's level of experience. Yeah. And now tonight, you keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. Watch all night for the opportunity. If you're coming to the game, if you're listening to the game, if you're going to watch the game on TV, you're going home, keep an eye out on it if Paul Cotter – Ends up on the ice and the potential for a face-off against Sidney Crosby because in Paul Cotter's world, it won't get much better than that moment. And the photographers in the building better get a picture of it. So in in and we we know how Paul feels about his ultimate hockey moment. How far or how close is winning a face-off off of Sidney Crosby to getting an opportunity to win a game in a shootout? Where is that, do you think? To Paul. Even. Even. That'd be pretty cool. Even. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like all individually, in. I want to see it. Yeah. As, as a person? Yeah, individually. Individually, it might mean more to Paul to yeah. take that face off and be oh, able yeah. to win it, win it off Sidney Crosby. For his career and what he does down the road, mm-hmm. 
that shootout and and with his specialty yep. and what he gears up for, sure. that shootout is going to mean obviously more than than a simple faceoff. Yeah. But for a kid from Michigan mm-hmm. who grew up with these great talents and idolized Sidney Crosby and knows every tactic that Sid can use on every one of the eight, nine face-off dots that are out there mm-hmm. in the nine different locations that a face-off can be held <laughs> in a hockey rink. Yeah. Personally, yeah. the face-off, I think, means more to him. Career-wise and team-wise, shootout all, all day long. But I'm not going to discount that, that dropping of the puck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's all I'm rooting for now. If he wins the draw, yeah. he may not move. Oh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, like, I would, but I'd take a minute to, to acknowledge the fact that I just, I just uh, lifted one off of Sidney Crosby for sure. That's fantastic. Kind of neat stuff. Uh, yeah. A little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Thanks to Paul Cotter for, for sharing a, a lot of that. Uh, they've got a, a nice seven-game homestand for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's Bruce Cassidy talking about the longest stretch of the season at the Fortress. Yeah, yesterday was an interesting day because we were, you know, we were talking. like To have a day off, we were always playing the next day, right? We'd get in late. We got late for Colorado again. We had, there were some weather issues. And, and then you turn around and plan to have a practice day yesterday. We can sort through some stuff and do some prep work, um, not rush everything. It was kind of nice for everybody, players, coaches. Um, and we just haven't had that luxury. Now we're going to get a bit of that. So, you know, f- for us, I think that's mentally a, a break as much as anything. I mean, I, I think players don't mind rolling right into games, day off game, like they get in a rhythm. But, you know, the mental part of it is not being able to relax for a day and just kind of run your practice for an hour and guys get out, you know, get home and, you know, sort of spend time with their family or whatever, away from hockey, whether they're on the golf course, tennis court, I, I don't know, watching Canada beat U.S., whatever it is. Um, you know, it's, it's nice, I, I, I think, and we're going to get a lot more of that. I think it'll help us, and I think it'll show in our energy level, too. Well, it sounds like Bruce was watching the World Junior Hockey Championship semifinal yesterday. Sure does. What was the uh, final of that game? Because you and I had oh, to I, leave. We were, we I were gone. I didn't look at the final. You didn't? You didn't no. I know. I know. See if there was a comeback no, or anything I like that? I knew there wasn't going to be one. Canada, Canada you kept saying there team. was because the goaltending, in your opinion, was not good enough. But hey. Well, it was scrambling. He faced a lot of shots, but it was scrambling. So here we uh, we get into this situation where Vegas has struggled at times at home. Yeah. But they've turned a corner recently. They, yep. Overall, they've won three straight at T-Mobile Arena. Mm-hmm. And Bruce was asked about why things are going in the right direction now. Shooting percentage right at home. We're scoring goals. More pucks are going in. They were not going in before. I still think we generated offense uh, during that tough. It was Buffalo, it was the Islanders. I know we weren't scoring much against. Turned the corner against Arizona. Started to see the puck go in the net. Um, so that that's helped, uh, I think, a lot. I mean, the f- fan support has always been here. Um, I can't pinpoint one thing during that stretch when we weren't winning. I thought our starts were good. Our second periods got away from us. Maybe that's, you know, we, we've, we've been better with that. Uh, certainly a real good one in Colorado. I know that's on the road, but... If we can get that squared away where we're rolling right from the first to the second period, it's going to make our thirds a lot easier, right? So, um, you know, that's it all year. It's been a 60-minute challenge. That's what every team wants. You want to build up as the year goes on and get better. Um, we're no different. So, um, But mostly it's just we're getting production, and guys get excited when the puck goes in, and the other team gets 
you pick your word, discouraged, flustered, antsy, whatever, you know, whatever happens when they get scored on. So I think that, that that's the biggest difference, just getting some production. And it doesn't matter from who, as long as it goes in the net. Um, so you know, hopefully that trend continues because the numbers were just goofy that you could score that much at home and, and not on the road. And I think we talked about that. It'll probably get squared away, on, unfortunately, on both sides. It probably Our road numbers will probably go down a little bit, just, just the fact that law of averages, right? When you're scoring four and one on the road and 2.4 or whatever it was at home, they're probably going to get balanced closer to your overall number, which is for us, I think, three, whatever, I'm not sure, 3.3 or something to that effect. Three games in a row on the victorious side at T-Mobile Arena. All three games, they've hit the five-goal mark. Mm -hmm. So he's right. Shooting percentage. And they were outplaying teams. Think of that Buffalo game. Like, how do they not light the lamp in that? Usapakalukunen. I've watched him since. He's had a couple of good games. Mm -hmm. Then he's had a couple of really human games. Sure. Uh, he was out of his mind that night. Uh, so the uh, the idea that they're getting the shooter's roll or a couple of bounces or just able to finish uh, against a goaltender, uh, whatever play you want to make on it, they're putting the puck in the net. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the puck goes in, sometimes it doesn't, right? Like, And, and we've seen stretches where... You know, it seems like everything the Golden Knights throw to the net will, will go in the back of the net and everything, and then there'll be other opportunities that they'll have grade-A scoring chances, wide-open nets, and they'll be off net. Like, that's sometimes how hockey goes. And right now, over the last three games, I, at home, on home ice anyway, I don't know that the Golden Knights have, have – they, they've been rewarded. They've found the, the production. They've found the goals. Uh, but, yeah, you look at the Buffalo game that, that kind of preceded those two games going into into Christmas where I thought the Golden Knights played really well. I, I thought their game against Buffalo was perfectly fine. They just didn't convert on the looks that they had, and, you know, that's the difference some nights. But right now it's going in for Vegas. Stat I got from uh, Ray, our stats guy, over on AT&T. Vegas is 9-2 and two when scoring first at home. 2-7 mm -hmm. and seven when trailing at first. Uh, after the first period, okay, or when they don't allow the, or when they uh, allow the first goal, mm -hmm. two and seven versus nine and two. Yep, that's that's not really the way the National Hockey League works right now, where scoring first isn't that automatic win. Yeah, because there's so many lead changes, but. For some reason at home, it's been really influ influential. The first goal of this game. Yeah, I, I think that you know. You usually find, especially with, with this Golden Knights team here in, in this building specifically, like one usually leads to two and three, right? Like it's not just necessarily getting a goal. It's uh, a Golden Knights team that's got some confidence on, on, on home ice can, can usually score in bunches. So um, I wonder if that's something leading to it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is I think the Golden Knights are a better team, obviously, when they have the lead, when they're not kind of pressing the issue or trailing or chasing the game, and as most teams are going to be in that spot. So uh, for Vegas, it's very simple. you got to start on time. you got to find a way uh, to, to score first and, and continue to do what you're doing in the second period. I think the Golden Knights play in the second period over the last five or six games has been really, really good. Um, they're not getting hemmed into their own zone as, as, as much as we've seen maybe earlier on in the year. Um, and, and they're playing more in the offensive zone in the second period, and that's really what you have to do. But the last four, for sure. Yeah. Last four games, they've outscored their opposition 6-1 in the second period. Which is a big turnaround from where it was prior to that Dramatically to that point. Dramatically different. So they've 
change the lines. Uh, we know that Amadio is going to stay with Stone and Stevenson, but everything else with Cotter and Echo coming back, they, they've spread it around. And that's an interesting move considering they're already the deepest team in the National Hockey League up front mm-hmm. when it comes to offense. They have uh, the most players with 10-plus goals in the National Hockey League at six. They have the most players with 20-plus points at eight. Now, they're tied in those categories with a couple of teams, but yeah. nobody's better than them yeah. when it comes to depth and and goal scoring and point production. So if this if this does work, and this is the way you want it, not, not always how it ends up. I'm on record saying that the Misfits will be back together. Uh, but if this works out, it does give you a real advantage on teams. Yeah, I'm of the mindset, and we've had this conversation before, that I think the way that the lines are configured now, and, and it might change, there might be some fluctuations or tweaks here and there as to kind of who's where and, and all that, but I'm of the mindset that you need a little bit more balance in your lineup. I, I look at a Golden Knights team and the players that they have and the, the way things are constructed now is as the ideal, what you want to move toward and, and find a way to get everybody to, to produce at the level that, they, that you're expecting of them. Um, I think if you kind of fall back on loading up your top six, that's perfectly fine. But I do feel like if you're if you're looking at how you got to play in the playoffs, how you have to win in the playoffs, the more balance you have, the more you can create mismatches down your lineup, the more opportunity you have to win. Uh, let's look at the World Junior Championship from the viewpoint of head coach Bruce Cassidy because there's four good prospects uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights involved in this tournament, and all four qualified for the semifinals. A couple from Team Czechia, Sapovalov and Rubenik, and uh, you've got Dean from Team Canada and uh, Limbaum, uh, the goaltender, from Team Sweden. Uh, Bruce was asked about the VGK content in Nova Scotia. I watched Canada beat the U.S. last night, but I did see that. Uh, goaltender's been excellent. They say he's undersized a little bit, so time will tell with that. I think he, even the c- Canadian kid looks like he's a little smaller. So at that level, I think you'll see more of that. The NHL level becomes more of a challenge filling the net. Um, but so far, so good for him. It looks great. Uh, two Czech kids um, have both been good. I think their coach spoke really highly. of. I want to say his name right, Sapolavayev, the, the, the second rounder from last year. Two years ago, Brabanek, I know we just signed, had a good, uh, has been putting up points. So uh, both, that's good, you know, when you have two center icemen that are doing well. And then Dean with Canada, right? I mean, you're hearing about Bedard a lot, uh, Roy last night, but he's, he's had a good tournament as well. He had an unfortunate penalty early on, but looks like he's fine in his game too. So we'll see today in the final how he does. But yeah, both's well when they're when you got guys in there and performing well. Just want to go back, uh, Chapman. I missed the start of that. Uh, can you just play the just the first five seconds <laughs> of Bruce again? You don't have to do that, Chapman. No, no, I, I'm not going to play it. Just, just for a quick second, five, five seconds, because I can't yeah, remember what he said about the goaltender. It's, it's, it, oh, okay. Oh, what, sure, yeah. What, yeah. What, what did he say about the goaltender? I, I think he said Canada was the beneficiary of a couple of oh. fishy calls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is there's there was a couple of telecasts, different telecasts that you've got the <laughs> on the NHL Network. Yeah. They took Team USA uh, version, and then there's the TSN uh, version, mm-hmm. and, you, and you're on Twitter and you're following it. Uh, I, I was on record saying both those goals. Uh, we're going to be called back yeah. because 
IHF rules. Mm-hmm. There, there's very little wiggle room in that. If you're anywhere near the goalie, there's a good chance it's, it's going to come back. Yeah. But uh, uh, my wife, uh, Jen, was watching the game, and she was getting the USA feed, and she's like, those guys were apoplectic. Like, oh, they, yeah. they no. just could not believe what, yeah. uh, what, what was going on. But I, I felt bad for the American players because that's disappointing. They, they made some really nice plays. Yeah. And weren't able to uh, finish off and celebrate it because of uh, some some contact in the crease. Uh, the second one was a no-brainer. The first yeah. one was was touchy. I still under the rules, the W international rules. Mm-hmm. I was pretty confident it was going to be called back. Now, yeah, I don't. I don't know if you had the op- op- opportunity to overhear the conversation that took place between uh, Brady McNabb, Will Carrier, and Aiden Hill. Uh, but Will Carrier basically said, I don't care what reason. Did, did, you, did they, you hear did this? this? Did you hear Will Carrier say this? I did hear Will Carrier say this. But so you it, were there. I was there, yes, yes. And so, you were listening so to it. Is, so yes. it is accurate for you to say, I yes. heard Will Carrier William, say. William Carrier basically yeah. said, I don't care whether or not or how they, how they took him off. All I care about is Canada winning. Uh, Alex Petrangelo was pretty pumped up about Canada winning. Brady McNabb pointed out to everybody that they used I international rules uh therefore yeah. that that's why but aiden hill was was really interesting because he basically was like hey this is the nhl that first goal counts he's it like does. second second yeah. goal there's yeah. there's it, it's a no-brainer but the first goal would have counted yes but under those rules yes yeah. yes like it, uh, and Mc, mcnab was quick to point out to everybody that those are the rules that they use yeah and if you get hit in the head uh by a pocket fear goaltender you get hit in the mask Place blown down, mm. like it doesn't. Continue. There's there's these quirkiness and uh, very uh, letter uh, of the law with with international hockey and and around the crease and goaltender interference. It is as controversial and sure. as tight yep. as you're gonna get. And apparently, you can run over a goalie um, in a gold medal game and knock a oh, penalty for goalie interference. So, well, what's the that. score in that gold medal game? I think it's two nothing. Canada. Two nothing. Yeah. Chapman, can you confirm that? Plus, plus one goalie ran, but hey. What are yeah, you, the, what goal, are you the goalie did get demolished, but it is 2 nothing in favor two of uh, the guys with the maple leaf. Did you know, you what's, ask, you know uh, what's great about this? You don't get to watch the game. Like, Canada's legitimately winning right now. I've got it recorded. I, I knew I couldn't watch the game yeah. and actually do it. But, yeah, but, it's, but you it's know, not the but you same know the, you the, know the score. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine you, with no, it. No, there's no way you can do that and enjoy it. No, you're, 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 oh, you're not I, that I'll, guy. I'll, I'll go for a bike, and I'll watch it on the bike and uh, and size up Dean's performance, mm. and I want to watch Connor Bedard yeah. and, and his his uh, exploits. Uh, uh, right, I'm really focused on on where he's going to be coming Scored out of this tournament. Tonight. Uh, so there's there's a lot that uh, that I'm interested in. It's not the same. Like No. You don't have that pit in your stomach. Oh, yeah, you don't have the pit in your stomach. You knew no. Canada was going to win. Come you, on. By the way, uh, I was talking to somebody uh, at work today, Jen, uh, Jen Jones, and her husband heard us talk about the uh, Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah, yeah. Gordon, because yeah, that we, you, we that the, you don't even know. So Jen's husband heard that, and and I said I didn't know what it was, and he said I he does, and their their young son knows exactly, and their son watches those movies. Mm-hmm. Like it's a live sporting event. Yeah. And I said to her, we had this great conversation about it. And that's a, the sign of a great movie. When you are watching a sports movie yeah. and you are engaged in it, like the result could actually go either way. Yeah. It's not a script. It's, it's an event. 
like the rocky fights, yeah, th- those uh, those kind of situations. That's a real compliment to a movie and their their son. Watch it. So uh, shout out to uh, Jen Jones and and family, and uh, thank you for listening. And I appreciate the feedback on you knowing what uh, what the duck 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 come on get Sorry. it get it right um the the greatest thing about the mighty ducks movies for me is that uh playing youth hockey in southern california the referees in those movies that were that were brought in to to play the refs in those movies were actually the refs for my youth hockey so it was cool wow. to to see oh I, yeah, did you ever listen for... to the podcast i did with the producer of no, the mighty no, duck no, movies and he, no. he just did a new one no. like you it's as a, a show now you as a yeah, because he did that. He, right. he did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you would you would be uh, all over it. Uh, I got to figure out a way to monetize how I listen to your podcast. Oh, the way that that happens is you <laughs> listen to it. I get a listen. I get money. Yeah, that's yeah. simple. Because yeah. I talked to Rick, Rick Talkie yesterday. That's a cool episode <laughs> uh, talking about Connor Bedard. Because Rick talks sits beside Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, so he bounces stuff off Gretzky. Sure. And brings that to us about Connor Bedard, but he he makes sure that he tells everybody they talk to Gretzky about it. Sure, he just didn't take the comments that Gretzky said well, and use them as his own, like he was authoring it, like Chapman did with Will Carey. Well, no, I mean, talk it's saying I heard Wayne Gretzky say, and he actually did hear Wayne Gretzky yeah. say. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky so. told me this. Yeah. Did you explain to Will Carrier your uh, dilemma the other day, Chapman, when he was uh, no, in the room? No, no, I did not. You just steered clear of that? No, why would I bring that up? Did you did you tell him, like, hey, I heard you say this? No, I, no, I, I, I didn't have that type of conversation with him today. Hmm. We, 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 were, we were really in-depth about uh, Team Canada and uh, <laughs> the referees being on the side of, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Jack Eichel's back tonight. I can't wait to watch Jack Eichel, see what happens uh, with uh, Riley Smith. Uh, Nick Waugh being on that line. Uh, what an opportunity coming off his two-goal performance the other night and eating ice cream with me uh, yesterday with Secret Creamery. <laughs> at Green Valley Hat trick for Nick Waugh it was, coming off. It was basically that, that ice cream. It was, it's, it's outstanding. And, uh, and I, 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 we got to get him free ice cream with that. Uh, that's going to be the case. And we also have one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League and an update on the World Junior Championship as we continue to work our way towards the pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Game tonight. Meeting with LA on Saturday. And then four days without a game for the Vegas Golden Knights. Some practice, some time off, some rest, some recovery. And there is one big Fan Fest event taking place Sunday. VGK Fan Fest presented by the D Hotel. It's at the Fremont Street Experience Main Street Stage from 2 to 4 on Sunday. Check it out. Uh, Vegas Golden Knight players uh, will be in attendance. Uh, Shane and Dave are emceeing. You can get a selfie with a member of the VGK uh, player, and it's fun to have FanFest back and rocking. Brought to you by the D Hotel at the Fremont Street Experience on Sunday from 2 until 4. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we also are waiting for all-star announcements for the Western Conference. Uh, the Eastern Conference were announced uh, earlier. 
for the two divisions. All eight teams in each division is represented in the initial offering of all-star positions and uh, opportunities. So uh, every team, when it's announced in the next couple of minutes here, uh, during the second intermission of the ESPN game, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights will have a player named to the All-Star team for next month's All-Star weekend in Miami. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to guess okay. who it's going to be. Chapman, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Mark okay. Stone. Stone. <laughs> All right, Mark Stone is... Chapman's prediction. I don't think that's a bad prediction at all. Yeah. What about you, Ryan Wallace? I'm going Riley Smith. Riley Smith. Yeah. On pace for a career high in goals. Has been so instrumental. Electric uh, at times. uh, Scoring some of these fantastic goals. Two great ones. Jack Eichel would have been the guy. Sure. You got to think. If if he hadn't missed 13 of the last 14... Like he was running uh, away with the the team scoring title, uh, Petrangelo is a name that uh, that I'll throw out there yeah. uh, for, for you guys. Chandler Stevenson mm-hmm. is also a name. Uh, what do you uh, what do you think about those? Stevenson is somebody that I, I would love I to see like, at the All Star game. I, like I want to see him at the All Star game. I feel like Chandler Stevenson deserves to be at the All Star. He's leading game. the team in points. I agree. Petrangelo, I, like I'm, I'm right there with you too. Like nearly a point a game, just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff this season from Alex Petrangelo. But uh, I don't know why I'm really feeling Riley Smith, and uh, it's starting to trickle out. But I, ha- I don't have the official list yet. So. It's an 11 player roster. Mm-hmm. Eight mm-hmm. players will be named today. Seven skaters and one goaltender. Uh, will be announced uh, for the initial offering of the Pacific Division All-Star Team. The coaches will be uh, unveiled because that's based on points percentage. That happens late next week, uh, so keep an eye on that. The Golden Knights play one, two, three games. Uh, I think three games between now and then. So that Saturday game against L.A. could actually go a long way mm-hmm. to determining whether... Bruce Cassidy coaches the Pacific Division oh, or whether boy. it's uh, Todd McClellan. So oh, let's go live to the boy. return desk and Ryan Wallace yeah. with the naming of the Golden Knight that has uh, been picked to represent uh, the franchise at the NHL All-Star Weekend in Miami. Alright. Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson has been named to the Pacific Division yeah. All-Star Team. For 2023. Do you want me to give you the full list now? Sure. All right. Pacific Division All-Stars. Troy Terry from the Anaheim Ducks. Nazem Kadri from the Calgary Flames. Connor McDavid from Connor McDavid's team. Kevin Fiala from the Kings. Eric Carlson from the Sharks. Maddie Beneers from Seattle. Elias Pettersson from Vancouver. Weird how that's not JT Miller. Huh. Anyway, and Logan Thompson from the Vegas Golden Knights in the wow. Central Division. So Beneers has, uh, has is a second rookie on that initial eight. Yeah. Se- uh, Central Division, you've got Clayton Keller with Arizona, Seth Jones from Chicago, Kale McCarr in Colorado, Jason Robertson in Dallas, Kirill Kaprizov from Minnesota, UC Saros from Nashville, Vladimir Tarasenko, somebody should tell them, 
He's out right now uh, with St. Louis. And then you've got Josh Norrissey in Winnipeg. Josh Who, Morrissey, but Josh. Josh who's Morrissey. the goalie for the Central Division? UC Soros. Because Hellebuck will be the other guy that should be voted in there. Well, you, you would think so, yeah. Well, I, I think Logan Thompson has been the best goaltender in the Pacific Division this year. So that that works. First rookie goaltender named to an all-star game since 2016. Wow. With John Gibson. Look at you. He is the eighth goaltender. Huh. Rookie goaltender named to an all-star game since 1980. Wow. Right? So... Grant Fuhr is in there. Mm-hmm. Pelly Lindbergh is in there. It's good company. And in that mix, Don Bopright, back in 1980, a rookie. But how about 1989? Representing the New Jersey Devils, mm. a player that will go on to be the goalie coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. I knew where you were going with Sean this Sean Burke. Yeah, was, so there's some synergy. Yeah, no, I was, I was three years old. How about that? I know. Sean Burke, a Wild. rookie goaltender in the NHL All-Star Game yeah. in 1989. Yeah. One of seven at the start of the day. Now one of eight freshmen uh, to be named to an NHL All-Star Game with his young protege, his young student, in Logan Thompson. There you go. That's awesome. Logan Thompson, uh, breaking news right here on the VGK Insider Show. I wonder if that's something that Chapman will talk about. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, he's out long-term with the uh, Boston Bruins. Want to get that uh, to you. He was injured in the Winter Classic game uh, the other day. Those are your one-timers for this Thursday, January 9th on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Oh, Darren, game on. Czechia just scores their first goal of the game. It's now 2-1 in favor of Canada with seven and a half minutes to go. But uh, I'm so intrigued by this Pete Penguin or Penguin Pete that I had to do a little more research on it. So he made his first appearance in the second intermission of a game against the Boston Bruins on February 21st, 1968. He made six more appearances. Uh, His last appearance, November 16th of the same year against the Rangers because, unfortunately, he died of pneumonia on November 23rd. Uh, It's believed that his death was due to the ice crew at the Civic Arena keeping his nesting area a bit too warm. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. After I, th- his... I think that's urban legend. Well, okay? this is where it gets a little strange. After his death, they sent him to a taxidermist, and he was displayed in the lobby of the Penguin team offices at the arena. However, he was removed because people, they objected to his presence being there, according to then-Penguins owner Jack McGregor. They had a second Penguin mascot dubbed Repeat, He was later loaned to the team and made it through the entire 71-72 season. Uh, They revived the mascot, which was uh, obviously... You can't say that. No, they brought back the mascot in the 93-94 season. That was Iceberg, and it's believed that he was not named Pete because at this point now, Youngstown State University in the nearby city of Youngstown, Ohio, has a mascot. They are the Penguins, and his name is Penguin Pete. So... uh, Little little Penguin Pete history there uh, for you. Here. I like the, the, by the, the way, bar, part about Pete and then yeah. repeat. And Czech Republic yeah, and, but you is hadn't just won, tied you, the game, by the you way. You hadn't won a championship yet. 
and it was repeat. <laughs> yes, which yes. was just pretty good. But uh, yeah, tie game now. Czech Republic. They score two goals less than uh, two minutes apart. Overtime uh, looming. Unless it doesn't get to that stage and there's some late-game heroics. It sounds a little bit like Connor Bedard time, doesn't it? I hope not. Just a, just a little Matias bit. Matias Sapolovov time. Uh, Sapolovov has been great. Uh, or Shapolov, if you say on the uh, television <laughs> broadcast there. I, I, I would love for Czechia to win this, this game. I, I Honestly, they've been spectacular throughout the entire tournament. They've been good. Uh, they beat Canada at the, at the beginning. Uh, and, and with the what these kids have done and the goaltender, uh, they've, been, they've been really good. And they've been a fantastic story uh, throughout the entire campaign. Uh, but uh, the, the Penguin stuff, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good work on the uh, on the research there. Urban legend that it was the arena workers. Fault. Yeah, those. Yeah, we'll, we'll say urban legend. I thought he lived at the zoo. Well, he was from the zoo, but uh, apparently he was living in the arena. Hmm. That's not good. That'd be wild. Just walk by and you see a penguin hanging out. There's who's that? That's Pete. Yeah. There you go. You wouldn't want to be the second one. He's out by the you. Zambonis. I can't believe no. you said they revived the uh, Yeah, well, the they mascot. revived the mascot thing. Yeah, they brought, they brought back yes, the mascot. Yes. <laughs> Three game shows them. coming up. Live from T-Mobile Arena, the Penguins against the Vegas Golden Knights with all-star Logan Thompson. A story.